Welcome everybody to the One to Go show. It is Puka once again joined by the Ryan Hill, many time, many many time national champion, and the Bert Lehman, uh, publisher editor of the uh, Full Throttle Racing Magazine. So, uh, and you can find us on what are you reaching for? Oh, there, right there. Yeah, there it is. So, and of course, uh, uh, you can reach us all on Facebook at Ryan Hill at Bert Lehman at Racer Puka, P-W-O-K-A, and we have our own One to Go Show Facebook page that's up and running, so you can connect uh, connect with us there. So everybody's looking good. How are we all, uh, how are we all doing? Good. Feeling pretty non-essential. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the golf clubs out this week, didn't you? I did. I did. I should have got out of bed earlier this morning. I could have golfed this morning, too, and then it started to rain, so I guess that teaches me I need to, I need to not sleep in so much, so. We had what, yeah, like 60. It's still like 60 degrees out, so things are greening up. The turn in the spring fast. Let's hope that uh, you know we're waving green flags here in the near future. We'll see, we'll get into that later. <laughs> we have a very special guest with us uh, tonight, a gentleman that uh, we tried to get on last week. Some storms rolled through town, so uh, we're going to kick her into gear here tonight. So, Bert, I'll turn it over to you for a quick intro. Yeah, uh, this week's guest is uh, Nick Avalink, uh, one of the top dirt late model drivers from eastern Wisconsin. Uh, he travels to the western side of the state to race against those guys <laughs> as often as he can. Um, so, and he comes from a, a proud racing pedigree in eastern Wisconsin as his dad is a seven-time dirt late model track champion at Shano Speedway. Uh, Nick, how old were you when you realized that you wanted to race someday and follow in your dad's footsteps? Oh, geez. Uh, not very, probably. Um, before I was 10, I would say. Okay. And, I mean, when you were growing up, you didn't have the opportunity to race go-karts like the kids get to these days. How did you become involved in racing and uh, so that once you did start driving a car that – you would be successful oh I don't know I think probably just hung around in the shop quite a bit when I was younger um picked up a lot of stuff that way before I really had any idea that I was going to have an opportunity to drive a race car I guess I always thought I would and I think the older I got I started to realize how that might not be as easy as I thought it was going to be when I was a little kid so um we had go-karts me and AJ Demo our dad's got us some some home-built carts that we raced around on here when I was probably, I don't know, probably seventh grade or so, eighth grade, somewhere in there. We got those things and just kind of messed around on that stuff and four-wheelers and just tinkered with things, tried to work on them like they were race cars and change stuff on them and tried to make them steer better and stuff like that. So, Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe uh, when you were 16 years old, you hot lapped your dad's late model uh, before the races during the fair. Do you recall doing that? <laughs> yeah, I think I was, I think I might've been a little bit older than that. Oh, maybe not. Maybe I was 16. I think you're right. I think I was 16. Um, we got to do it at the end of the night when the, the races were done with, I think all the races were finished. And then I got to go out and run like, I don't know, 10 laps or something like that. It was pretty crazy. Okay. And, uh, what was that like being in the late model for the first time on the historic Shano Speedway? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was kind of scary. I really didn't know quite what to expect. I guess I 
I don't know if I, I shouldn't say scary. I probably wasn't smart enough to be scared about it. I was kind of fired up to do it. Um, but I just remember noticing like the car and the sheet metal and a lot of the stuff kind of vibrating and moving and a lot of things that I didn't expect to see when I was inside the car, you know, or notice, which I don't notice any of that stuff anymore, but it was just kind of weird looking out the little hole in the front, you know, and uh, seeing the big nose of the front end and you kind of were focused on a lot of different things at one time there for not ever getting full speed laps in a car. All right. And do you remember what you said to your dad once you got out of the car? <laughs> Not really. I just remember being pretty, pretty happy about it. I'm sure I was smiling. <laughs> okay. And before I pass you on for questions from others, uh, you had mentioned AJ Demo before. I mean, you and AJ are about the same age. You're on your dad's pit crew at the same time. Uh, what was that like, you know, growing up together and being on his pit crew, traveling around racing? And do you have any good stories to share from, from your times together on your dad's pit crew? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a lot of fun. We used to um, go to the Gopher 50. That was kind of the big trip for us there and uh, going to Marshfield for that race every, I don't even remember what that was. I think that was a fall race over there. Yeah. Um, those were all fun races to go to. Um, we didn't really probably do all that much on the cars in the pits and stuff like that. So we were probably, I don't know, 12, 13 before we kind of got in there and got to got to work on stuff and do a couple little things odds and ends stuff so but okay. it was fun <laughs> all right i can attest that those those marshfield trips were always a good time uh i can remember being at a bar where there was a bar fight and i wasn't old enough to be there <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of stories that i probably shouldn't tell i can tell you that well, we want to hear those all right we're, we're <laughs> into that we we're, we're, we don't want the traditional like hey you know i i grew up doing this all right the cat's out of the bag Let, let's hear one or two of them stories yeah marshfield let's go I, <laughs> oh, the time in marshfield there there's there was quite a few weekends i think in marshfield and uh i'm sure burke can attest to mj and those guys being around there we used to uh kind of rough it or whatever if we we're sleeping in our trucks for the weekend or whatever if somebody would be at a hotel we go to the hotel and hang out in the basement and there was usually a lot of a lot of beverages taken in throughout the night and uh <laughs> it get pretty wild it get pretty wild sometimes um it was fun you know all in good fun it's it good times well i can say one time when uh at the wasota 100 um we were in the parking lot in in MJ's hauler in the parking lot, it was myself, MJ, Jim Flake from MJ's pit crew, uh, your your dad, Terry, and Donnie Pazer. And we were in there talking. MJ ducked out about 3 o'clock in the morning. Next thing I knew, I looked at my watch, and I said, Jim, I got to go to bed. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was lots of weekends like that in my younger years. I'm, I'm starting to try and slow that down a little bit now. I, I don't recover quite as well from that the next day. <laughs> So what was what was the race? They had a, I remember Ryan and I were at the Wazota 100 in Marshfield in like '87 when it was there. What was the race that they were doing in Marshfield? I honestly I do not remember. I just remember going there every year, and that was kind of one of our our biggest deals to go to. I think. Oh man, it might have been. Uh, there was some with dirt. There was a with dirt series that ran um, years ago, and I'm trying to think of the guy's name. 
uh, that ran that, it actually was going to be a pretty good series. And it, they had some unfortunate things happen along the ways that that got cut short. But that was part of a series that the Wissota guys were running. Um, I don't know. There was – I think there was a race or two where there was, like, a no engine rule. So it was an open engine rule race. Um, I just remember uh, Jerry Radetzky and Kerry Hansen winning a lot of the times that we went over there. Kerry <laughs> uh, Hansen. Number 25, Kerry yeah. Hansen from Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. there's Mar a name. Wow. Marshfield, Marshfield would have a special late model show the week after uh, Labor Day weekend. I, I don't know. It was just a yearly thing until they went asphalt. But, yeah, mentoring uh, Jerry Radetzky, I think my first race in Marshfield was 1990, and Radetzky lapped the whole field except for maybe one car. Yeah, <laughs> I would, that was I would crazy. That. <laughs> <laughs> and that was still a big half mile at that time, right? Yes. Yeah. That was a big one. Okay. Well, you talk a lot about these half-mile tracks. I mean, Shano's a big track, Owatonna, Marshfield. I mean, are you a half-mile guy, or do you like the bull rings? What do you like best? I don't know. I mean, I I guess I don't mind racing on the big tracks. I like hustling on the smaller tracks. It's kind of fun. You know, I think it's there's just more action. I think it's probably, generally speaking, better for fans to watch, to see everybody kind of um, – more on top of each other you know you tend to get a little bit spread out on half mile tracks but you also carry a lot more speed there too so um i've raced on a, yeah quite a few half miles i mean we raced at shauna and anigo for the first probably 10 12 years of my career so it was two half miles or two great big half miles every week yeah right. Andy goes a huge half mile <laughs> yeah Did yeah goes in late models then is that where you started nope we started in modifieds Oh, you um, did? IMC oh. Modifieds, yeah. We, I okay. ran four years in that class. Okay. And then we played model. I was told late models is an old guy class. You know, I mean, I guess some of the young guys <laughs> coming up, you know, you look at all the Wissota guys, John Canta, all them guys, they ran Modifieds, and I, I tell them they retired into the late models. That's what I'm telling <laughs> Buzzy right now, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, yeah, it's his turn now, I guess. <laughs> So what's your yep. favorite track that you've been? I mean, you like them. I mean, I get it. You're a racer. You like them all. But if you if you had to say, man, I just I just love going there, even if it's once a year or every other year. I mean, is there a favorite track that you really like going to? Um, I like going to I like going to Cedar Lake. Um, we haven't had the best luck there for quite a while. Um, I, I think uh, that's probably been a little more frustrating for me than anything uh, to go somewhere that you like to be at and not necessarily run that well all the time. Um, we've been okay there. I think we got fifth, fifth there last year at the masters. So we ran pretty decent for that weekend. Um, I like Seymour. Seymour is only about 20 minutes from my house. Um, that's a pretty fun track to race on. Gets usually is usually pretty slippery. Real. I don't know. I don't want to say it's slowed down because it does have, it's got decent speed, but it gets real slick and it's pretty racy. It's fun. You ever make it down to like Wilmot or Plymouth or anything like yep. that? Yep. I don't mind those two tracks. Um, they're decent shape. They have good shape. Um, they just have a little bit of different dirt on them, I guess, than what I'm used to being on. It gets a little crumbly there sometimes, but um, they have, I've been there. We've had some pretty good races, you know, at both of them. Um, Wilmot was, I think only the second time we went last year and we won that race on the last lap. So that was kind of fun for that one. Well, speaking of different dirt, I mean, you did you win the red clay one year? 
Yeah. You rent, yeah. Now that's different, dirt. Yeah. That, that, place, sure. that place is different, you know. So you, you actually, I thought you won that. What year did you win the Red Clay Classic up in Ashland? Uh, probably five or six years ago because I did it when I had my own, my home built cars when I won that one. Um, and I only did that for, I think I had my home built car for two or three years that I raced that. And then I switched to the MB cars. Um, that was, that was a pretty cool night to be able to win that race with our, with our own car that we built. So that was, that was kind of neat. That was good. And there's a bunch of good drivers there. I mean, there's nothing else going on in Wasota. So all the top Wasota cars are, were there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's... you weren't racing against slouches for sure. No, that's, that's always a pretty tough race. That's a, that's a fun race to go to every year. We like going up there. Everybody's a lot of nice people at the track. Um, no it's, alcohol it's whatsoever. I mean, there's, you talk about <laughs> beverages. Nobody drinks at the Red Clay. Hey, you got any good Red Clay classic stories? I mean, you, you've been up there several years. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest parties of the year is the Red Clay classic. I mean, is there – I mean, you've got the USA Nationals and all that, which is huge. But as yep. far as the smaller scale stuff, Red Clay class is pretty big. You got any good stories from there? <laughs> <laughs> we probably have about 15 or 20 good stories from there. <laughs> um, I guess one of the talking well here speaking about spreading germs and this whole COVID-19 thing I don't think anybody would like this a couple of years ago we were up there and it was like for the first time in a long time it was probably 60 degrees on Friday night and it was midnight one o'clock and everybody was up at the party by the behind the grandstand there and everybody had their Halloween masks on and all that stuff and they're passing around jugs of apple pie, like two gallon jugs of apple pie. And there had to have been 50 people sucking on this thing. It was kind of gross, but it was funny to see <laughs> that many people just not caring and everybody's passing that around and getting pretty, uh, pretty revved up. So it's yeah, fun. The, the red clay classic. That's the why I, I honestly think that if they just said, Hey, we're just having a party. Um, we're not even going to have racing. I think probably you get about, still half the crowd would show up probably probably <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique group up there and it's a lot they have a lot of fun and they re they really do a good job creating that atmosphere yeah, where people sure. come there and have fun so they do a good job with that so hopefully yeah. racing comes back and people can get back to that so Puka, yeah. i know that i think you're itching there what else you got i know you got a couple of questions i'm going to pop a couple of pictures up here all right, all right. Yeah, no, Nick, yeah, I only get to see about once a year, and that's when I sit right by Bert at the USA Nationals. And, you know, you said now, you know, more recently you haven't been real happy with your track record. But, of course, you, you've had some fantastic runs there. What was the year, Bert, 2009? 2009. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When you were yeah, – I complete – at that time was owned a legal car, correct? Yep. Yeah. And led what? How many laps? Uh, I don't – of the – USA Nationals, I don't think we ever led any laps. Oh, okay. we, for the Nationals, we didn't. We won both of the other two races. And then we were up to, like, third, I think, at about maybe halfway through, close to halfway. And we were kind of panicking about when we should pit for fuel because we didn't think we could make the whole race on fuel. And oh. uh, so I came in and pitted, and the track rubbered up, like, five laps later. <laughs> So that was kind of the end of our run. We ended up finishing like, I don't know, 16th, 18th, something like that. But it was amazing. That was great. I mean, you I mean the fans were into it, you know. And then and then your was it right? What year did your dad go and win the the legendary? Was it I I think the same year. 
Dave, you must. So, did you set his car up? I mean, that would be the first question. I've ever asked, <laughs> he didn't need too much of my help setting his car up usually, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, he. I think he actually won. I think he won that race, the legendary. I think we got third. I think Jake Radetzky got second that year when we went for that one. Yeah. Okay. And was that in your own car? Um, the one you built? No, those those cars were. Um, those were cars that we had done some work to i guess they weren't uh you know they weren't a stock car anymore we had cut the clips off them and and done some other done some of our own stuff i just having fun with it i guess um and it turned out that it, they worked pretty well for a while so yeah so and you and you brought up aj and you know i it was just several weeks ago while doing the podcast that bert said well you know nick and aj are cousins are like well you know we had no idea so you know what obviously you brought <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Oh, technically, okay. yeah, technically not. He's married to my cousin. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Well, close enough. So, so you guys <laughs> grew up racing. I mean, any super competitive moments? Have you guys always kind of been cool with things, or has there been a time when things kind of got a little hot with the pressure cooker? And uh, yeah, there might have been a few times maybe where we just kind of put our head down and walked away for a while, but uh, usually that didn't last very long. So, <laughs> yeah, he's not a little dude. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to argue with him too much. So, <laughs> well, Nick, tell can you see this screen right here? Yep. Tell us a little bit about this one. So that I remember, we got pretty tight towards the end of that race where uh, Dad had led it. Dad had led most of that race, and we started creeping in on him a little bit. And I didn't think that I was going to be able to get to him, but Jake got pretty good right at the end, and I think. A little strip of rubber started on the bottom, and I remember Jake hitting it, and Dad wasn't running on it. And I'm like, "Uh oh, this isn't good." <laughs> and uh, they came down, they got the white flag, and all of a sudden, Dad went like up to the top, like way up to the top. And I'm like, "What is he doing right now?" And, and uh, Jake actually slid up alongside of him, and and I remember Dad. They kind of drag raced down the back chute, but at Cedar Lake, you get that big run off of two on the high side there, and that kind of slung him down through there. And, he ended up winning it. That was it. Was pretty neat to watch that. You know what was it like racing against Dad? I mean, it's it's one thing to race with him. You know, like he's helping you or you're helping him. But you know, what was the household? What was the shop like when you were competing against him? Oh, uh, when I started beating him, pretty cocky. <laughs> <laughs> but how did he was... take it? Oh, I th he 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 dish out the ribbons back yet. I mean, he was still beating up on us yet at at the end of his career. So he he wasn't slowing down too much by the time he had quit. That's for sure. Um, he probably could have raced, I think, for a handful of more years here. I, I, we just got to the point where I kind of was taking a little bit more priority over what was going on with our racing than what he was, and it was starting to get hard to keep both cars going and and do all the racing that we were doing so it just kind of i guess he sort of willingly sort of <laughs> <laughs> sort of kind of retired i guess <laughs> well no, i know he he's uh he's he's hot lapped your cars a few times uh during some practice sessions uh, uh, after those sessions has he ever said okay i got to get back in yeah uh, i think he's he's pretty much said that every year that he's been done racing so that <laughs> I, I, if I had if I had another car here and we maybe had a little more help, I think he would probably still even know yet, maybe get back in just to race 
you know, I'm not saying a, a 30, you know, probably race 15 times a year, 20 times a year. Um, it's kind of hard to say that and only race a few times. I think once you get racing, you just automatically keep going racing. <laughs> you know, there's not too many guys that are, that just say they're going to run 10 times a year and then actually stick to that. They usually end up running the whole season, you know? Right. Now, is he the same age as like Kanta and them guys? Uh, no, Kanta, I think is actually a little bit older. Dad's only 63, I think. So he'll be 60. Yeah. I think he'll be 64 in October. So, I mean, you look at, I mean, really, you look at some of the guys that you grew up watching, you know, your dad, Pete Parker, you know, over that way, you got Matthews and you got Jerry yep. Radetzky and you got yep. Steve, Steve Larson. Larson. Yep. What's your thoughts? I mean, you're, you're kind of that new generation coming up, you know, and, and obviously there's some guys younger than you now, too. Yeah. But, you know, some of these guys in late models, you know, I always say it's the retirement class because there's a ton of them still that were really good that are still really good yeah. in their 60s. You know, do you see a new wave coming in, maybe on your side of the state, of younger folks that are going to take over? I, I don't know. We, we talk about that once in a while, actually. And it, it's – when you see some guys start, they, they seem like they're going to be – you know, around for a while, and then all of a sudden they just quit. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, everything's changed so much from even 10, 15 years ago. Um, it, there, I don't know that there's necessarily as many kids around that are buying into it as hard as what we did where we just thought that it was like the only thing to be, the only thing to be doing, you know, it's the only thing well, we wanted is. to do. It is. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's probably just because there's so much more stuff going on with everybody's kids and things like that. Um, like my two kids, even, even I'm not here at the shop as much as what I used to be. Uh, my two kids are in three sports. So it, it's, it's constant. I mean, we're, we're gone all the time. This is, this little break here for me actually has been kind of a, it hasn't been bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have they, have the kids learned how to pound dance, pop rivets? I mean, do they work on the car at all? Uh, they, they just started last year towards the end of the year where they're asking me to, they want to come in the pits and stuff like that. And, uh, my son has been coming down there and starting to do a little, a little bit in there. Um, I'm waiting to see yet if he's, you know, how interested he really is in it. Uh, he talked about maybe wanting to do some go-kart racing. So we'll see how that goes, but I swore I would never do that, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I was growing up, I think what helped me really fall in love with racing was being able to go in the pits with my dad and, and really meet. I met a lot of the different drivers. I mean, I became buddies with Joel Kreiderman. And for yep. several years after that, Kreiderman would come to our shop when he came to Hibbing and, you know, all them type of things. I'm guessing it was kind of the same for you. Like, you know, who are some people that when you were young, obviously dad, right? Because that's your number yep. one guy. But other than him, who are some guys that you looked up to as a kid? Oh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the guys that were racing all the – they all treated me pretty good you know I, I would go run around to all of them every night or go say hi to everybody when we got to the races and kind of thought you were the the big wheel you know when you get to go down the pits and hang out with all the guys so uh I don't know we used to go over I used to go over by uh Parker's quite a bit their two boys would would give me a lot of crap when I was a little guy there they would kind of mess with me and stuff and we had some fun over there um Nerritt's uh Buckby MJ a lot of those guys uh dad used to park by chuck buckby i don't know if you remember him or not 
I do. I do. He's been out for quite a while, but he was he was a pretty good guy to me. Um, I mean, really, I can't complain about anybody. Everybody's been pretty good to me the whole time I've been racing so and been around it. So when you were a little kid, you know, just, I mean, your dad raced for a long time. I look back on my racing career, and actually as a fan growing up, I had a couple trips that really, like, they, they're just ingrained in my mind. Like, I remember, like, every aspect of certain trips. Is there, like, one certain trip as a little kid traveling with dad that you really just remember? Uh, I don't know. Is a, I don't know as much as a little kid. Um, the, the gopher – the go for 50 deal was, was a pretty big one for me. And I can't even remember how old I was. I, I would say I was probably seventh grade, somewhere in there. Um, that was the first race that I got to really go to where um, like Billy Moyer, um, Bloomquist, those two were obviously, them are my oh. favorite drivers then. <laughs> um, still are, still are some of my favorite drivers, but uh, I remember going there and seeing that and that was uh pretty big spectacle for me to see um watching everybody pull into shano you know with the basically nothing in their van and a couple tires on the rack and then going to see them guys which really wasn't at that time you know they still didn't really have the, the great big haulers or anything like that but they had some pretty pretty nice stuff and i remember guys having uh i think i don't remember what the deal was i think billy moyer or i think moyer blew a motor or something and i remember seeing somebody drive in with a van and there was two brand new motors in the back and they pulled one out, and they went to change his motor the next day, and I just was in complete shock at what was happening. <laughs> like, I'd never seen anything happen like that before, you know, um, especially to have all that, you know, brand-new stuff. So that was pretty cool. Exactly. Now, Bert, told, Bert sent me this picture here to post up, and he said that in this here, Bloomquist actually handed you that piece of paper, and then that you were <laughs> autographing something for him. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a picture. That's actually a picture of me uh, passing him one night, and I, I signed it for him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is this um, at? Tell me about this deal. This looks like it's at 141 probably. Yeah. The Lucas Oil Race. Yep. Um, I, I know him a little bit. I don't talk to him. I had a friend that um, worked for him for quite a while. Um, and that's kind of how I met him was through him or whatever. But I had called him a handful of times through the years and he had answered some stuff for me. And, and when he came around here to race any of these tracks that he had never been to, if I was there, he would just ask me questions about the tracks and, you know, what smart guys do when they get to the racetrack. So he, uh, mostly tire stuff and, and things like that, you know, what he's got to be looking for. And it's, it's kind of cool to, don't let somebody trust you that much, I guess. You know, some of those guys have somewhat respect for you and know that you run well enough to come and ask you a couple things. I thought that's kind of neat. Um, coming from the best dirt racer in the world, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's won once or twice. I'm not really sure exactly. He's, how many. he's got a couple wins, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's getting there. I think a couple more years, he'll probably figure it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So – what, I mean, you've raced a little bit of everything. With Soda, obviously, you've got uh, the New Deal Dirt Kings going on. You ran yeah. some some of the bigger shows. I mean, have you traveled much out of the area, like out of the Wisconsin, Minnesota not, area? Not really. Um, the furthest that I've ever I, – heck, I don't even think I've – I've raced in Iowa. I'm trying to think. I'm not even sure if I've raced in Illinois before. 
I might have been I might have been there for one race, and I can't even remember what the racetrack was when we went. It was not a pretty place. I remember that, but <laughs> it, it wasn't something that I cared to remember all that much. <laughs> uh, I mean, a couple places that I would like to get to for sure would be Fairbury, um, even Farmer City. Uh, we've been to I went to LaSalle a couple years back for a Lucas race, and we ran pretty well there. That was kind of fun. Um, I mean, you, you want to go to all them races. It just never, <laughs> it it just never happens, you know, uh, with everybody working or something. There's always something that seems like goes wrong or something's happening where I can't go and it just doesn't come out right. And if I'm not running as well as I think I need to be, then I, I, I don't go because it's hard to go to all them races and, and stay on top of it monetarily. You know what I mean? Unless you got somebody helping you a little bit to go to the races. So hopefully we get going this year. And, and this year was one year that I was kind of thinking about hopefully trying to be able to do some more of that stuff. So we'll see. Hopefully we get racing here pretty quick. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers <laughs> crossed. And, you know, I was always told you late model guys are independently wealthy. You know, that's what I was told. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I ran late for a couple of years, and I'm like, I wasn't rich enough. I got down into the super stocks again, went to mods. And so I just <laughs> thought you guys were rich, had money, you know, just kind of rolling out of your pockets. So Yeah, yeah. For sure. You know, hey, if you go down to Fairbury or whatever, hit me up because you're going to have to go right past my place to get there because I live right oh, by really? Rockford. So okay. I might hop in with you and make a little road trip down there with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that might be, right. be kind of fun. So, you know, hey, I want to I touch on this. You know, eastern Wisconsin used to be – I mean, I remember going to the Wasota 100 at, at Cedar Lake especially, and there was a dozen cars or so, maybe even more – from eastern Wisconsin, you know, the Shano Seymour Anago group that yep. come over to Cedar Lake racing. And now it's like obviously they're not with soda anymore. You guys went I think yep. non sanctioned for a while. Now they got the Dirt Kings. And we talked about this briefly. What happened there? Um, you know, what happened with, with all the eastern tracks saying, you know what, we're done with Wasoda, we're gonna do our own thing. I don't you know, I'm really not entirely sure if it if I don't know if at one time when they first broke off from it, we had started, uh, I know they started this tri-track series over here, but I, I don't remember if we, we might've still been with soda sanctioned even at that time yet when they started that. Um, I don't know if the tracks just didn't care for the Wissota deal and, and what was all happening because we were probably the furthest, at the edge of Wasota, pretty much, you know, I mean, we were that the furthest, way anyway. Yeah. yeah, we were the furthest this way and there really was nothing for us to go to for three more hours back West, you know, um, at that time that, that was the next closest place would be Menominee probably for us to go race at, um, you know, they, did the drivers bring that on or was that the promoters? I mean, cause I, I a lot think, of times promoters react, to what if they get enough drivers kind of pushing on them, they're like, okay, hey, we're just going to do this. Was did that I think come it was, from the drivers? I think it was a little of both. Um, I was not one that was an advocate for leaving Wissota. I didn't think that was the best idea, just because they have been around for so long and they they have a rules package, and basically that's what we're running anyways. We're still running up pretty much the same rule package now. We just add in the open motor with a restrictor plate or a weight rule tied onto that. So it, I mean, there's really nothing that's changed. We even run the same tires. We just groove and sipe over here and they don't. 
Um, you know, there, there's a couple of the rules that I think that they could probably work on a little bit. I don't think it's anything major, you know, but um, the tire stuff always seems to be a, nobody's ever happy with tires. So you got half, I mean, I remember that when we had the old hard tires, 55s, half the people hate them and half the people love them. So it, it just kind of depends, you know. I don't think you're ever going to keep everybody happy, but no, the fact tires of the matter is one is, of those deals, you want a ton of grip, right? You want them to work good. <laughs> yeah. And right. then at the but, same time, you want them to last like 10, 12 races. Exactly. Um, if you come <laughs> up with that deal, that like you're going to be everybody's hero, but I don't think it exists. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so either. Uh, especially with it, there's probably – I don't know how much rubber is actually in tires anymore. I think uh, there's probably a lot of, a lot of other garbage that's in most tires that are made. So I don't think they're like the old, uh, the Hoosiers of 25 years ago, probably. So, well, some guys might have a little extra stuff in their tires than even with the <laughs> yeah. tires, right? You know, yeah. I, I, I know one guy that was from Eastern Wisconsin that he come over, I'm not going to mention any names, but you can, and maybe Bert can, but, I saw he was over, like, he'd, he'd race Alexandria, and he'd race a couple of them tracks, and he actually had a rotisserie on the, in his trailer on the bottom. He had a rotisserie with, like, a tray on the bottom row of his tire rack in his trailer, and the tires would rotate in there, and he'd be applying whatever, right, on there. I, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have, I have a pretty good idea who you're talking about. <laughs> I, uh, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I, I was – that's one thing that I don't think you should ever cheat at, especially with that. That's pretty much the biggest, I'd say that's the biggest cheat you can do in, in dirt racing. In my opinion is, is on the tires. Um, that's what's between you and the racetrack. So, I, I mean, if, if you're getting that much extra grip from something like that, uh, uh, you're not working hard enough, I guess you're just and taking it, these. Out. It's <laughs> a huge advantage. I mean, it really is a imagine. huge advantage. Because I remember when the Wasota mods went from, they had the two compounds, the medium and the hard, and then they transitioned in the middle of the summer. They went to all hard tires. Well, it was the last weekend that we could run softs on the front. And I'm like, ah, these tires are kind of wore out. I'm just going to put a couple hard tires on the front. They're all ready to go, and I'm just going to get used to it. I got dead last in my heat by like a ways. I'm like, oh, my God, this is horrible. I'm like, what is the deal? And I literally just put my old, worn-out medium tires or whatever. I think they were A's. I put them on the front of the mod, and I came from dead last in the B main and one and came from the back of the feature up in the top five, and all I changed was tires. And so, yeah, there's definitely an advantage there. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because people are always complaining about tires. Certain people are trying to find an edge with tires, and, yep. and I agree with you. I mean, if you're cheating, you're basically stealing, in my opinion. So Yeah. So – you know, talk a little bit more about, you know, the Wasota stuff. You know, I, I mean, you guys don't – I mean, you can – I guess Cedar Lake's not Wasota. Now they're NASCAR or whatever. You know, you've kind of migrated over for some of the shows there. But do yep. you hit any Wasota shows at all? Uh, since the Dirt King started, I really haven't gone to too many. We, uh, we used to come to Menominee for those. And, like, we, we raced through the fall over here now, so – I'm kind of getting doubled up on these weekends, which kind of sucks, but these are all, you know, half hour from my house. So I don't have to go very far and I don't have to stay overnight and I don't have to do all that stuff. And usually that part of the season, my kids, my son's usually playing football. My daughter's playing volleyball already. And it's kind of, that plays into it, you know, a little bit. Um, Dude, that sucks. One of the races. Like, we want you guys to come over. We, <laughs> yeah. we want to see that whole, we like having that Eastern group come over. I mean, that, 
you guys brought a lot to the program. We don't get to see much of you guys anymore. Um, I, I would like to get back to them races again at the end of the year. Um, one race that the sites race, I kind of missed that one. We went there a few times for that race. I, I, I really like going over there. I think that's a really fun racetrack. It's really a tough racetrack for me because we don't have anything like that even close over here. So the first time I went there, I was like, oh, boy. I'm like, this is uh, – we're getting right around here. <laughs> hey, we don't so, have anything close over by us that's like that either. That track is really unique. And you said you like bull rings turn and burn. That's a bull ring turn and burn with some bank, and you're up on the wheel. Yeah. And I tell you, they got a good core group of drivers, that NLRA group. Oh yeah, they got some yeah, really sure. good drivers over there too. Yeah, the home the hometown crew is they're they're pretty tough. Uh, I knew I had raced against most of them guys before I had gone over there, so I was I knew who they all were. But you read about them winning, and you never know until you race you know until you race these guys how you know how good they really are, how good the guys are that they're racing against. And it turns out there's like twenty good cars there. So <laughs> there, there is for sure. Just, uh, just getting in the show was tough enough, that was for sure. Other than the Lucas Oil World of Outlaw, other than that group of people, you know, who would you say maybe are like the top two, three guys that you either have competed against or, or currently compete against? Oh. Say MJ McBride, you got brownie points of birth. <laughs> <laughs> I man, I don't even know. I mean, uh you get into you get into that Iowa like uh, Simpsons and those guys. They're they're not. I guess they're full time racers, but they're not really on any series. Uh, those guys are really tough. Um, Eckerches. Uh, I remember going down there when I hadn't. I was probably only about four or five years in late models. We had raced around in Iowa a little bit. Um, went to Farley a few times when it was still the big half mile. Uh, those were some pretty fun weekends i remember those guys being pretty tough when we went down there for them too uh i would say probably them guys i've never raced in iowa that it's crazy i mean minnesota and iowa border each other i've raced all over the place but i've never raced in iowa which i guess kind of blows my mind but you know there has think about these stories now i'm going to ask you two questions but we'll get to one first you know what is the one best memory that you have you're like man it couldn't have gone any better than that like it literally stands out above everything else. What's your biggest memory that you have? Probably on a positive side. On a positive side. <laughs> I would say probably that Cedar Lake that Cedar Lake weekend or the first time that we went to Farley for that Yankee Dirt Classic. Um I hadn't been racing late models, I don't think, for too long. We went there and when we got there, everybody Everybody there told me that you, the guys that I talked to told me you had to run the top. The top was the only place you could race around there. And we got there and I didn't, I was not comfortable at all on the top or even at that racetrack. Like I just did not feel good. So we just started doing a bunch of stuff to our car to get it where I could run around the hub of it a little bit better. And we started last in the heat race, drove up to the front, passed for the lead. I went into one after I got the lead and I spun the car over. So we go to the back, we go to the back again and we got back up like halfway through and somebody spun out in front of us. So we got caught up in the wreck. We went to the back again and we got up and I missed it. I think we missed the show by one car. And then we went into the B main and we started towards the back of the B 
And we ended up winning the B-Main, and we got in the feature, and we started in the back of the feature. And I think that was my first 100-lap race. That's why it was kind of unique for me. I, I had never run a 100-lap race before. And that place is really hard on tires. So there was guys there was guys that came in and put three right rear tires on in that feature. And we made it from – we made it the full 100 laps on one set of tires, and we ended up finishing, like, fifth or sixth or something like that. I don't know. We were, it was decent. Um we didn't make too much money. We drank most of it, I think afterwards. So it was a pretty big party. It was a pretty big party weekend. They had a, they, they have a big bonfire and they burn a bunch of coaches. All these guys that sit on the back straight away on these coaches. And it was pretty crazy. It was fun. Nice. Now, didn't you have an experience at Cedar? I remember Puka talking about this. Were you running up front? Was it the masters maybe or USA nationals? You're running up front. Did you run out of fuel? Uh, that was the USA nationals. That was the year that we won. We ended up winning both of the NASCAR portion of the events. And then we had gotten up the – actually, that's the year that Jimmy won the Nationals, I think. I think he won. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we were going up through there, and we were up – I know we were in the top five. And Jimmy was the only car that had passed me. We had passed everybody coming from the back. And I had started, I think, right in front of him or something like that, or right behind him maybe. I don't remember. But – he had gotten up the front and we had gotten in the top five and the caution came out and I decided to come in and pit, which I shouldn't have because it turned out at the end that we actually probably could have made it. It would have been really close, but we could have made it on, on fuel. And when I came in and pitted, it was within, I don't know, maybe seven, eight laps. It started taking rubber and that was pretty much the end of the passing for the night. So we kind of got robbed out of probably a pretty decent finish in that one. Yeah. And live actually, and learn. Actually, that year, uh, when you won the, the two NASCAR features, they, the features were run on the same night because the Friday night feature got oh, rained that's out. that's right. That's right. Yeah, yep. so you started the night by winning a NASCAR feature. Then you, you rate one, started 12th in the, the second NASCAR feature yep. and won, and then you ran 100 laps. So total, you ran 180 laps that night racing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably if you, if you win that nascar there. deal from 12 that's getting her done because that's a still a solid group of race cars there. oh so, yeah that was that was one of those weekends where we just got there and it was pretty good right when we got there and we just kept kind of doing little things to it and it you couldn't really do anything wrong <laughs> you know you get those no. nights that that happens and it's pretty fun racing <laughs> it is it is now let's let's talk about you know i'm gonna close with this but we all have that one night where you're like it couldn't have gone any worse, right? I mean, do you have a trip or I used to, I, I blew up motors and haulers. I mean, I, I think I had like worse luck with haulers than anybody. I mean, do you have any like hauler trips or anything where you're like this whole deal just, I should have just stayed in bed. Uh, yeah. Both times that we went to North Dakota for that Sykes race. Um, and that, that's, part, that's kind of part of the reason why I didn't go back the third time. We went out there the first time and, Let's see, we came, we started coming back home and uh, we blew out, I think, five total tires on my trailer. It's got two <laughs> dually axles. So by the time we had got back to Abbotsford, one of my axles on one side only had one tire on it because we didn't have any more left to put on. And we ended up, uh, I don't know, I got home at like midnight on Sunday night after that. And then the following year, we went out there and we blew the tire off of my motorhome and we didn't have any spares along for the motorhome. So we had to sit in the parking lot and wait for a guy to come and change that. That was another one. We didn't get back until probably midnight that night. That was a pretty long, 
that's a long drive for us anyways. That's probably about a, I think about a 10 hour drive for us. So that was a pretty, pretty drug out weekend for leaving and being there on Wednesday and not getting home until Sunday night and then having to go back to work right away Monday. That kind of sucked. <laughs> Man, I, and, I can't even tell you how many stories we'll have to talk about on the show one day, but that, that I can relate to that. And that's something that a lot that, of the race fans don't realize is it's one thing to get to the track and you race, but it's like, Man, there's there's a lot of things that happen on the way there and on the way back that's like not really oh, yeah. good. And it I, got I, so bad. Go ahead. I think that race at North Dakota that first year, I think that was the first year that we went because my dad went with us that year, and we were leading the. They had like a separate feature on Thursday night that first one, and we were leading that race. And I got on front. It was pretty rough. It got, the track got pretty rough that night, but it was heavy and it was fast. And so you're just kind of hauling off, trying not to wreck anything, basically. And my right rear shock mount broke and dipped on the right rear, and the car went up on two wheels, and I kind of skated off the edge of the track, and I thankfully didn't flip over. But that was the start of that week where we <laughs> and it ended with a bunch of – with about two thousand dollars worth of blowing out tires, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where you're like, yeah, we should have just stayed home. I broke down in the holler so much that I, I'd call my mom and say, "Hey, I need you to come get me." And it got it was so much that I it actually became a joke where I'd be almost almost to the shop, almost to where where they live, and I'd pull in like about a, a Puka member where it was where it was the old North Star gas station. I used to pull in there. And then a couple of times I'd call my mom like, hey, I need you to come get me again. And she'd be on the road and then I'd lay on the horn and I'd, she'd be like, oh, you son of a bitch. And, you know, <laughs> uh, and I, I, yeah, that's how many times we broke down. I mean, it was horrible. I bet you I have a, I could write a book on all the times we broke down in the holler. So that night sucked. I mean, I, I hear you. It's bad enough yeah. to work on the car and you got to work on the hauler too. Right. So what are your plans, I guess, uh, you know, before we close here, I guess, what are your plans for this year once racing gets back in order? Well, I don't, hopefully, hopefully we're back in order by June is what I'm hoping. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but if that's the case, then we'll probably Cedar Lake will probably be our first bigger one for that Masters again. We'll go over for that, I think, and after that i don't know we'll just play it out by ear we'll keep hitting the dirt king shows as much as we can and see how that goes and i don't know i keep promising my dad that we're going to go to eldora he's never even been there before yet so really I definitely <laughs> would like to go there i've never raced at it he's never even seen it so i've never been there either it'll be something to uh to do hopefully here pretty quick awesome well hey, Luca? Ryan, i got one yeah i got one last one so I don't know if they're still involved with you, but Soybrick Cap Ranchers, you know, like yep. Nats car, they've been a long time sponsor. Well, obviously the guys are a couple, I don't know who it even is. That's why I guess one of my questions is that the, yep. the Soybrick Cap Ranchers have been synonymous with a lot of racing in Wisconsin for the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, can you tell us more about him or her or wh whoever it is? Mike, yeah, Mike and, Mike and Julie, they, they sponsored my dad. I think one year before they started sponsoring me, they, they actually, they gave my dad, I think he got a brand new car the first year that he was sponsored by him. And it was the first time that anything like that had ever even, even close to anything like that happened to my dad. He's never really had a lot of, he's had faithful sponsors, you know, but nothing that, that has been like that big of a sponsor. So it was really cool to see him get that. And he won the championship at Shano that year with his late model. And I won it with my modified. 
so that was kind of a cool deal for us that year and he's been sponsoring us ever since for he's been with us for 20 years on our cars so um pretty pretty cool and he's probably sponsored <laughs> he's sponsored a lot of guys over the years that's for sure i mean he still helps out he's probably on 15 cars over here yet uh modified he's on everything he helps out a lot of people i think without him in this area for a while here it probably would have been hurting pretty bad he had helped out with a lot of specials um some extra paying races he had helped a lot of tracks out um monetarily and a lot of drivers out you know that needed help so Speaking of cool that, to touch on a couple more spots. I know, I mean, it's good that we want to, he's done a lot for the sport, but since we brought it up, I mean, who are a few other sponsors that you have? Give them a shout out too. Um, Club 117 in Bondwell, they've been sponsoring me, I think, for, I shouldn't even go here and say this because now I'm not going to remember exactly how many years <laughs> that they've been on for, but they've been helping me for the last probably five years. Um, Dan Nolan Livestock out of Bondwell. Um, Unique Healthcare is actually one of my relatives. He's been sponsoring me for probably the last seven or eight years. He helps me out with a lot of my engine stuff also. Um, oh man, I'm burning up here. You put me on the spot, I get, I get nervous. Uh, hey, I, gotta, I gotta do this after you won a three, four in a row because it's yeah, a victory yeah, lane yeah, speech right. and you're kinda so used to it. it so I'm just, I'm getting you warmed up so you don't mess up when you're in victory lane. <laughs> uh frank wallace flooring he has been with me for probably about 10 years now um i've had a, a pretty good pile of sponsors that has been on my car for i would say eight years or better which is tough to do in, in this sport so i've been pretty fortunate um dtr concrete is one of my buddies that actually is my neighbor he lives lived right next to me the shop is right next to me um <laughs> I got my brother here is is reading my body panels to me now. This is really sad. Nice. Teamwork <laughs> makes a dream work right there. Yeah. Hey, I do gotta ask you one more thing. Speaking of Soybert, that that brought up see Puka's favorite driver. I don't know if you know this. Like like he's got a man crush on Tom Nesbitt. Okay. So <laughs> So I guarantee, I don't know that you raced against him quite as much, but your dad has probably a ton of laps against Nesbitt. You got a oh, yeah. good Nesbitt story for us because everybody has a Nesbitt story. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I was, I was in his really bus. Good. We won't show anybody I was anybody in his this. bus drinking moonshine one time. I know for sure that that had happened. <laughs> and I remember he had his big old dog uh what was they call him blue i think was his name blue yeah and that, that dog would come into that motor home and i was like almost gagging he'd slap him on the back and shit would fly <laughs> off of his back and sand and powder <laughs> and hair and i'm just like oh my god i'm like how can you live in here with this thing <laughs> but he was always he was always uh he was a pretty good guy to me he was always he treated me real well over the years that i raced with him and i, I had fun racing with him too um he was a he was a good clean driver um, raced hard got especially for as old as he was as hard as he could still drive yet was kind of amazing to me I thought you know if you, you get start getting up to that age to be able to push yourself that hard it, it you know it shows a lot he cared a lot about racing and and helped out a lot of people over his career too I think Puka wasn't he sponsored by Soybert when he won that last Northern Nationals yeah yeah he, yeah Soybert was on board for about the last four or five years there yeah they kind of helped get him to the finish line um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
So yeah, I tell you what, everybody's got a Nesbitt story. I, I I learned a lot from that guy. In fact, I rumor has it I might have carried his tradition on at some of the pit meetings. You know, maybe it was a little bit more vocal than I needed to be. But uh, yeah, you're right. He's passionate about the sport. So man, we appreciate you coming on here. You know, Bert, I tell you what, uh, you know, thanks for thanks for hooking us up with Nick. Is there anything that you want to close with there, Bert? Um, we'll turn it over to you. Well, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, I mean, you've won the first three Dirt Kings championships. Uh, what's been the secret of your success in the Dirt Kings series, and what do you like about that series uh, for late um, racing? I don't know. I think it just kind of revived things a little bit around here. It was starting to get kind of bland just going to a couple tracks that we had and, and having those shows. And this just kind of gives you a little bit, makes you compete a little bit more you know what I mean you, you got the point still and it, it pays something to follow it and, and run the whole thing um they do a great job covering it and getting you you know getting publicity out of it and it's good for your sponsors um they do a great job running it and it's I just I, I enjoy doing it it's fun it gets us around the state a little bit more to some different tracks um I enjoy that challenge of it uh, seeing new tracks and trying to win at them right away or be the first guy to win there if we're at some new places. Uh, so that's been kind of fun. Would you be in favor of a co-sanctioned Dirt Kings with Soda race in Eastern Wisconsin? That's what I would like to see. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure that would be fun. You know, that'd be cool. Um, I, I think they know, I think the guys over there were probably a little leery of that at first until we had gone over there and raced last year at that uh, Mississippi Thunder at that race. I think they all kind of realized that it's not, it's not spread out as far as what they had thought when they heard the open motor stuff was involved. You know, I think a couple of them guys thought, well, we're not going to be able to compete with them. And that certainly wasn't the case when we were over there. I mean, them guys all ran well. So I think that probably helped the series some as far as, is getting them guys to race with us. So hopefully we'll see something like that soon. Okay. Awesome. Well, Nick, I, I tell you what, man, uh, good luck to you. And like I said, if you get down to Farley or, or Fairbury, hit me up because I'd like to jump in with you. And I think that'd be a fun trip to go down. And, you know, I've never been to either one of those tracks and they're not too far from me. And, you know, thanks for jumping on the show. Good luck to you this season. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, no problem. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Nick. All right, guys, great job there. Thanks again, uh, Nick Amblink. That was great. So now we have a little bit of racing to talk about. We got a little bit of racing, and although I couldn't find finally but, real race cars, yeah, I race. that not I mean, video I, game. I racing has got to be sweating. <laughs> be sweating. <laughs> you know. So Park Jefferson, uh, we talked about on last week's pod down in South Dakota, just outside of Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, they did end up racing. Uh, Ricky Thornton Jr., victorious in the mods. Brock, is it Zierfoss? I've never heard of the gentleman. In the sprints, that's all I got. I don't know if New Raceway Park actually got their race in, Ryan. So I'll, They I'll, did. They <laughs> did. And that was an IMCA show. Ricky Thornton Jr. won that also. So uh, I tell you what, he's bolted as usual. Not, not a surprise. I, I may have picked him. I, I kind of cheated because I picked first, right? You know, so I kind of <laughs> cheated on that one. But you know what? You know what's unique, and I didn't realize this. So them tracks are literally right across the street from each other. 
So what's the deal? Like Duluth, like Proctor Superior? I mean, no, <laughs> no, like, like two blocks away, like literally, like, like it's they're right there. They're like right, right across the street. I have no idea. Like I, I tried doing a little research to figure out like how long maybe one's new or, or do they both both plan on running? But it, it was just weird to me that both of those tracks are like right there, and they had different um different pay-per-view providers come in to do each show. I think Speed shifted the first night and was it Advantage Racing or whatever the second night. And so it was just kind of two completely different groups of people. I, I had no idea what happened there. It was just kind of a unique situation. Um, you know, it, it was as a racer, as a race fan, I'm jacked up to see any racing happen. As a promoter on that side of things, I'm going, how in the world did they make that work financially? Because, I mean, they couldn't have fans. And uh, it's good to see it happen. I mean, all those, all of us race fans want to see some racing. I, I'm just curious to how they made it work. And, you know, it looked like some of the racing action was good. I caught a little bit of it on Facebook when they were doing kind of like a live, you know, uh, kind of like a little preview type deal. And it looked like some of the racing was pretty good. Um, you know, Bert, did you get a chance to see any of it yourself? I didn't get to see any of the racing, and the fact that I haven't heard too much about it in the news is probably a good thing because that means that there are no incidents and you know everything went smoothly. And uh, because actually, you know, they're kind of you know setting the pace for other tracks around the country as far as opening and you know different place, different sections in, of the country are going to open at different times and. You know, so all the tracks are paying attention, I'm sure, as to how things went. Absolutely. And I did see a little something on Facebook. Somebody that was watching, they said uh, the sprint car race was crazy. And that would have been at Park Jefferson. It looks like Park Price, it says Park, it says Price Miller breaks while leading. And then Reitzel runs out of fuel leading. Oh. And that gave the lead to Zirkos, who got the win. So it sounds like there was a little bit of drama involved with that sprint car win there so i that's i didn't watch it you know but i it was cool to see and you know talking about other tracks opening up man there's there's a bunch of racing going on this coming week and puka i'll let you touch on that and i'll add in if if you miss something yeah well yeah let's let's get into that then because well first off i was going to ask you do we have any news for mississippi thunder are they a goal Nope. I talked to Tyrone. They have got no answer yet. Um, they are still waiting to hear something. They, uh, when I talked to him this weekend, he said they hadn't heard nothing. I actually chatted with him today. He had heard nothing yet. So they're hopeful. Um, but I haven't seen uh, Facebook Live on anything. So I think they're waiting to get an answer back. I'm expecting maybe to see him jump onto a live tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, I'm guessing that if they don't have an answer by Wednesday, they're going to have to pull the pin, but I don't want to speak for them. Um, I just know that they don't really have an answer quite yet. Okay. Yeah, because some of the tracks, I mean, I, I just wrote down here, like Southern Raceway in Milton, Florida, to run May 2nd. Hey, I've been there, man. I've been have to you? Southern Raceway. Yep, I went, when I went down to East Bay, I actually won there. That's a unique track, guys. So it's, you know, it's in Florida, right? But it's the panhandle of Florida. So it's basically South Alabama, right? So, I mean, the war is not over. It's not. I mean, everybody, there's Joe Bob, Billy Bob, you know, they got all, it's crazy down there. And uh, I went down there with my daughter, and I'm telling you, 
it, it was it's a different track really sandy deal you know i met some pretty cool people still still buddies with ryan fowler actually talked to him this week i said how are they pulling that off and he says i don't know he goes like we're excited to go race he goes but i don't know how the heck they're going to pay for it because you know there's no fans allowed right but i went down there and the first night i was there uh the same guy spun me out twice in the in the heat race and then when we went to pull on the scales i drove over his front end and uh i didn't get disqualified or nothing i think i got fourth the first night and won the second night but he come walking down to the car and like boom, the whole pits got you know basically in my pit and i'm like it's me and whitney right like i'm like i'm not this ain't good and a couple of guys said, man, that guy just got back. Like, that, their whole crew were suspended for a long time because they beat the crap out of somebody. I'm like, oh, my God, right? So then we got to chat, and he's like, man, I thought you northern guys up there like to rough it up a little bit. I'm like, dude, I don't – like, I got me and her. I just want to race. I want to win. And he's like, oh, man, I misunderstood. Like, in his mind, he thought, like, he, we like smashing and banging. And uh, when I won the feature the next night, he come over. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. He give me a big bear hug. Oh, man, great job. I mean, it was – kind of a unique deal but that was it was a lot of fun and definitely different you're talking the deep south down there south yeah, alabama yeah. i mean it, it was it was quite unique let's put it that way but yeah i see that they're they're running uh saturday night yeah so that's that's the plan yeah and then uh ray cook in his uh, tri-county speedway brasstown north carolina now that's gonna be a thursday night invite only Live on Dirt on Dirt. So for those of you that are subscribers, it'll be some racing Thursday night. Dixie Speedway, also Saturday Luca, night. did you see some of the guys that are signed up to race at Ray Cook's race? No. Brandon, Brandon Overton, Shane Planton, Tyler Erb, just to name a few. So they oh, got there's going to be yeah. some hitters at that one. Yeah. I think Hudson O'Neill is on that list, I think. I think so. Yeah, and smart to do it on Thursday night, you know, just – I mean, we're all kind of quarantined somewhat, but of course you're gonna, you know, if you're if you're counting on TV, you know, what does NFL do? Monday night, Thursday night, right? I mean, it's just you know better than a Saturday night when there's other things going on, weddings or what have you. So I suppose there probably aren't a lot of weddings going on right now either. So, but again, like I said, Dixie goes to race Saturday night, of course, in Woodstock, Georgia, two thousand to win, uh, and Sonoma, Georgia. Now the thing about the Sonoma, Georgia, and the Dixie is, according to what I read. They have no restriction. So they're going to have fans. They're going to fill the pits. They're going to sell concessions. So we'll have to – well, it's Georgia. They're opening up, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, you know, there. And then also on May 2nd, uh, Cherokee's going to do a $10,000 to win, and that's going to be broadcast on Speed 51. So um, That yeah. one makes no sense to me. That one – if you – I looked at that Cherokee one – they're paying ten grand to win. Grand, yeah. Six hundred to start. From what I understand, it's only twenty-five cars, and I think it said five people per car, including the driver. No fans. Well, I did some math on that, and there's not enough revenue coming in to even pay for first, right? Let alone the whole field. So, you know, I got here's my thoughts on this whole deal. Now, again, as a fan, as a driver, I'm jacked about racing. Like. I'd race, you know, if I could, I'd be there seven days a week. I love it. I mean, we all do. That's why that's why we do it. But on the business side of things, man, I, I just don't get it. You know, I, I, you know, hats off to these people trying. I'm guessing they they got to have some sponsors, but that begs the question. I mean, so it's got to be a sponsor, right? That really doesn't care about getting a return on investment. 
because they're advertising, you know, they're advertising in a race that doesn't have any people at. So they're not getting anything out of it. So it's like, why are they giving them all the money? They must just flat out love racing and want to put on a show. So, cause that's, there's multiple kinds of sponsors. Some are just passionate about racing. So I work cap ranches, for example, you know, he's passionate about racing. He don't get a return on investment anywhere near what he puts into the sport. He does it because he loves it. So thank God for people like that, because without him, this sport would be dead, you know? So that's something to, to really keep in mind. And on the, on the flip side of things, you know, I help with the Grand Rapids Speedway and man, you know, seeing all this stuff happen, my phone's been ringing like crazy, getting messages going, you know, if these other tracks can do it, why can't we? I'm like, all right, let, let's do a little math. <laughs> okay. Let's, I'll, I'll tell you why. And, and some of them, some people are actually mad that we're not even entertaining the thought of running without fans when things open up. It's like, dude, like we can try it. We, it'd be great. But like, if, if don't be mad if there's like not a Grand Rapids Speedway next year, you know, right, right. I mean, well, I, that's I exactly what would happen. So, yeah. you know, I can spot. see in Minnesota and, and, and I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to put a wager out there for you guys. If you want the first track to open up in Minnesota to actually host a race is either going to be Brainerd or Princeton plain and simple because Cliff has a lot of money, been very successful in business, and he's already kind of putting the legwork out there trying to make this happen. They've already had some practices. I know at Brainerd, I don't know about Princeton yet, okay. but, but those, one of those two tracks will absolutely be the first one in Minnesota that actually hosts a race. Well, I didn't know he ran that. He runs Princeton now too, huh? Yeah, he owns Brainerd, and then he actually has the lease to Princeton. Oh, That's when that. Princeton switched to IMCA. Ah, sure. Okay. Yep. Okay. Any comments, Bert? No, I mean, like I said, you know, as more tracks open up, uh, people are going to be paying attention and how, how they do will have an impact on how other tracks open and whether, I mean, I think this running with no fans, uh, you can do it for a little while to begin the season because everybody, all the race fans just want to get racing. So even if you're running, you're going to get a lot of publicity. Um, so you can live on the publicity for a couple of weeks. But, yeah, you can't it, – it's not a long-term solution because the tracks won't be back next year, and hopefully there won't be a virus next year. <laughs> right, right. All right, well, let's, let's keep her going here. we got a few more items here. Uh, so Cedar Lake Speedway – Sounds like they're putting some concrete pit stalls in. Did you guys see that? I saw uh, I that on not. Facebook. Did you, I, I did not. I, you, I know you posted it here. And are they doing the whole pits? Are they doing some pit stalls? Or, it or sounds deep? like stalls, right? It looks okay. like stalls. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Ashland did that a long time ago at, up in uh, Ashland, Wisconsin at the ABC Raceway. Um, I know that they actually, um, if you had a pit spot, if you rented that, I think each driver had to pay for it to get done themselves. I don't know if that's how it's working in Cedar Lake, but man, as, as a racer, I mean, I've been to a few places with paved pits. It's amazing when you have it, you know, and I actually thought about it for years. It's like, well, why don't we do that in Hibbing or Rapids? But they're, they're owned by the, well, Hibbing's owned by the city, Rapids owned by the Fairboard, so they, they can't really do it there. But I mean, that's a, that's a pretty cool deal. And again, Cedar Lake Speedway, I mean, they're, they're always ahead of the curve. They really are. Yeah, the place is just, yeah, it's better and better every year. Walk into, what, a few years ago, the Metrodome seats, you know, Adam is like, this is so cool, you know. So, 
Uh, all right, and uh, let's turn it over to NASCAR. Uh, they're also trying to get in on the action. They are looking at possibly doing the race in Charlotte, fanless. I know, Ryan, you kind of threw this on the agenda. What more do you know about that? You know, they're, they're trying to make it happen. I know that a lot of the legislators over there, they're really pushing for it. I don't think anything got passed quite yet, but they're really pushing to have the, what is it, the Coca-Cola 600? I think that's what it is. Yeah. They want to have that a fanless race. And, you know, here's the deal. In NASCAR, I can see that working better than it works in dirt racing, just simply because, you know, the TV coverage, the commentators, the, the whole program you know, I can see that actually making sense. And, and, and the, it's not like a dirt track. And a dirt track, you got the fans, they're right there. You can interact with the drivers. You don't really do that as much as a NASCAR race. I don't think that, I think the drivers wouldn't notice that quite as much. But man, I, I just, again, I, I'm not for this whole fanless deal. I'm really not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love racing. I like, I like watching pay-per-views. I like watching all that stuff. But it's just, we're, we're striving in this sport to get more butts in the seat. And on the flip side, if they're just saying, well, here's the deal, we're just going to run without fans and people get used to watching it on TV, whether it's TV or pay-per-view or whatever it is, you know, if that gets too good, they're just not going to even want to go to the races. And if people don't go to the races at all, there's not going to be races. So it's kind of a slippery slope. People got to be a little careful with that because if they make that product too good, man, they really better step up the game when people get to the event. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's a good point. But as far as, you know, NASCAR going fanless, I, I can see that happening a lot easier than uh, dirt tracks going fanless. And in NASCAR's case, you know, they would probably be the first major sport to have a live event again, because I don't see baseball or uh, basketball or hockey, you know, within the next month or so because they their players would have to get ready i mean they would need a month just to get ready for the restart of a season but um i could see nascar doing this and if it's if it's allowed um it would be great because it's i mean they're looking for live tv coverage of any sport possible because there just is nothing sports wise going on so it would be a, a good promotional uh opportunity for nascar because they would be the only show out there. Um, and hopefully everything would go good because, and if everything went well, I think that would bode well for the local tracks to eventually open up, hopefully. Yeah, sure, exactly. I'll do what I can, guys. I got, I got my buddy Chase, he works down there in Charlotte. He actually is on the Jimmy Johnson crew as an engineer. I'll, I'm the, I'll touch base with him here this week, and I'll see if maybe I can – I talked to him about maybe jumping on the show. I'll see if maybe I can get him on here next week because we better do it soon because when they get into the rhythm of things, you might not have time. And we'll see if we can maybe take the temperature on what's happening down there in Charlotte. All right. And we'll close on the note of NASCAR. So it looks like Kyle Larson's replacement has been found by Chip Ganassi Racing. They looked to – Burt's home state, former champion, Matt Kenseth. Ryan, you're reacting. I may as well start with you. <laughs> Horrible. Absolutely terrible. Um, and Matt Kenseth's a great driver. He's, he's got the dry toast personality, whatever, you know. But I look at it like this. I mean, the guy's retired. Let's, let's give a young gun a chance. There's enough young talent out there. What an opportunity to put somebody in the ride 
and, and give somebody else a chance. I mean, he's already been there, done that. He don't need it anymore. I mean, what are they thinking? You know, they, they want to grow the sport and they want to take some old retired guy and throw him in the seat. Come on, you know, let's, let's push him out, right? And he's already out. Let's get some young gun in there. There's enough talented drivers out there. There's people in, in Ganassi's stable. I, I was shocked when they, they gave that to Ken Seth, but, you know, I mean, he's semi-local. I mean, if you call Wisconsin local, I always say that's a third-world country, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a second, Bert. But, uh, you know, Matt Kenseth's a good – he's a good dude. I mean, he's – but he's just not he's on the market pick. side of things. Yeah. He's just – no. I mean, I don't really think he's got a lot of people that love him or hate him. He's just kind of there. And yeah, he's a safe pick. Safe pick after, they've had enough publicity. They want a safe pick. Just you know. Well, and you don't you don't know how much input the the sponsors had in, and you know the sponsors may have said, "Hey, we need somebody safe. We need somebody you know that's not going to cause a lot of controversy." Although if it if it gets uh, near Joey Logano, who knows what'll happen? <laughs> Everybody has that when they get next to Joey Logano. So yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, one more thing I wanted to get to, and this is mainly not so much for the panel, but for those uh, millennials out there especially, when you guys are out on that 2020 page now doing the voting for the best super stock driver of all time, <laughs> I just want to give Ryan a couple – I got a couple of questions for Ryan. So I just – how many national championships, Ryan? I got five with Soda national championships, two DTRA. Okay, so total of seven. And millennials, you didn't know this, the two DTR championships were won consecutively, same season with the Wazota championships, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, so yep, hey, yep, that is correct. Yep, yeah. I, Dave I, I, Moss I, had, is a, I had a good run. I had yep, a good Dave run. Dave Moss is a great driver. Sebraska, everything. But I just want you millennials to know, you know, and you know, you just need to know some history before you just pound in the keyboard on these votes here. <laughs> so I wanted to, I had to get that in there. I had the platform. I had to get it in there because I'm looking at this thing. And I was looking at the same thing with the modifieds with Ron Jones. I mean, Thatcher's a great driver and everything, but I, you know, Ron was, I mean, Ron was, was owned a modifieds really. I mean, that was, he was the first name you thought of when you thought of modifieds from about 1985 to, you know, whatever, 19 to 2000, maybe even, you know, so. Uh, <coughs> I jumped anyway. on there and I saw, I saw my buddy Jeff is trying to do some lobbying for me. I'm like, dude, I don't know if you're going to get me votes or cost me votes because he'd be, he's kind of throwing around some weight there. And I'm like, yikes, you know, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I, it's been a while. I mean, it was 2007 was my last year in the Superstock. So a lot of the people voting, they, you know, just, it is what it is. It's not, right. I'm not the new guy. So it is what it is, but it, it's just kind of fun. Mark's putting that deal together, passing up some time, getting people talking racing. So, so yeah. it's all good. It's all good. It's a cool deal. All right, I want to touch on something, NFL draft. I, I got to oh, be yeah. honest. I think the Packers did a great job. They got Aaron Rodgers' replacement. <laughs> Bert, how do you feel about that pick? Um, I, I mean, it, it was surprising. Um, I mean, they need to eventually get a replacement for him. But, I mean, the biggest surprise for me was – they didn't draft a single wide receiver and wide receiver is one of their biggest needs. So uh, that did surprise me. Um, I'm not one of those draft people that thinks that you can grade it right after the draft is over. Come talk to me in a year, two years, three years, and then we'll see how the draft, and then you can grade the draft. Um, well, that's no fun. You know, I'm a grade well, right I know, now. I'm I know. Give them an F. 
Um, and actually, as a Viking fan, I'm going to give him an A. I think they did a great job because Aaron Rodgers, it was kind of funny because he said, I just want a weapon. You know, it'd be great. They haven't got me a weapon in 15 years. They haven't, you know, got a, um, I guess, a, a skilled position player in 15 years in the draft. And, well, they did. They actually got him a skilled position player. They picked up a quarterback. So that was good. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe they're going to get creative with him and maybe he can be like a Chasem Hill the first couple of years while he's still learning. And because he does seem very athletic, so maybe he can – run the ball a little bit, or I don't know. So we'll see. <laughs> hey, does anybody want to throw out a pick? I mean, it looks like that biggest race coming up is going to be that, you know, well, Thursday night's race has some big names at it. I don't know who's all going to be down at Cherokee. You know, I, I think I'm going to take Overton to win at, at Tri-County. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, did you say Herb? I'll go with Turbo Tyler. Sure, I was gonna, I was gonna take him. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, give me Hudson O'Neill. I think he's gonna, he's supposed to be there. Well, that'd be good to see that Masterville Park in Victory Lane. How about the Cherokee? Anybody got any? Did they have a driver's list or anybody that's committed to going down to Cherokee? Well, I didn't see you. For ten grand to win, I bet you a Madden will be there. Yeah, I would have to think so. That I mean, maybe, maybe this is where Madden maybe kind of starts to pick up the pace a little bit. You know, and I know they got some Georgia stuff going on. So it's going to be next week we actually get to talk about some. I mean, we get to talk about a little bit of racing this weekend. I mean, Ricky Thornton Jr., I was absolutely the class of the show and the Modifieds as usual. Um, but now we get to talk about some. Uh, these guys like late model racing here, so we get to talk about late model racing yeah. for you guys. So, yep, yeah, so so kudos to you. But, uh, you know, as, as a race fan, just excited <laughs> to see it. I'm crossing my fingers at this whole – nonsense all this crap and soon minnesota in fact they're they're scheduled may 4th is the last day they have not yet knock on wood right <laughs> they have not yet extended this deal so i'm hoping that maybe they just announced this week that hey we're gonna get back into rolling into things have you guys heard anything on minnesota wisconsin i know illinois just pushed out the, the end of end of may yeah yeah well Wisconsin extended theirs a couple of weeks ago to May 26. Um, but uh, there was a big protest in the state capitol on Friday. Like 1,500 people showed up to protest to stay at the safer at home thing. Um, so it, it's starting to boil a little bit, you know, the unhappiness of the safer at home. You know, I don't know what the correct answer is. Um, I think we should be easing off a little bit. I mean, not, not for racing's sake, but just for business, the sake of businesses. I mean, I can't imagine being a small business owner right now. Well, um, Illinois, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but I don't know exactly all the details, but somebody else in the government or one of the Republican people in the government filed a, a lawsuit against the, the governor of Illinois and they have the, the stay-at-home deal sounds like it's overturned. Like, if they actually have a restraining order deal, and they're, they're looking to overturn it. So there's, like, a big to-do that just happened in Illinois today. So, well, you know, it, actually, it's, it's messy. Actually, in Wisconsin, I, I think it was last week, the Republican legislature also filed suit against the governor um, stating that uh, he can only do 
a health emergency for 60 days. And if it, because it, it's actually stated in state law, you could, it can only last 60 days. And then after 60 days, the legislature also has some say, they have to work together. And that would end around May 12th or so, the 60 days. So they're contending that up until after May 12th, that the governor doesn't have authority to do the executive order anymore. So, you know, that's in the court system right now, I'll probably go to the Wisconsin State Supreme Court and we'll see what happens there. Well, I, I was talking Puka, I was talking to Joe Staria today, who has actually one of the promoters at the Gondek Law Speedway in Superior, Wisconsin. Joe's done a lot for the sport as well. And, and uh, they're having a World of Outlaw race in July, just like we are at the Grand Rapids, the Dominger Ford Grand Rapids Speedway. And we are just visiting about that today. It's like, man, do you, you think this is going to happen? And it's too far out to plan anything. But the one thing we talked about is a U.S.-Canadian border, right? No, because sure. that border is probably going to close or open up, I should say, after everything else. And I talked to Anthony Leake briefly, and I saw that they're not starting racing until the beginning of July up there because they have some different stuff going on in Ontario. Well, when, I, when we were talking about that, it's like, man, you know, we start looking at some of these bigger shows. We have a huge, huge group of people that come down from Canada, whether it's Thunder Bay. I mean, a huge group of passionate race fans of Thunder Bay, but also the Fort Francis, Kenora, that, that whole area. And, and really, I mean, you think Winnipeg and that, that group as well. These are people that come down to the States for these big shows to, to really enhance the fan base. So, man, I hope this deal ends quickly because that's a, that's a big, big group of fans that we'd be losing out on. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's uh, – we don't I, – I think you brought it up last week about that border being closed. It's like I live an hour and a half away. I just don't even think about it. You know, it's not like I cross it very often. But, yeah, and then we've got, you know, opening fishing, walleye fishing openers a week from Saturday. That's the big thing here, especially up north. And, you know, it sounds right now it's a go, but – you know, I mean, I listened to the governor's speech a little bit on Friday. That's when he announced school's out. and Or no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't Friday. It was, it was Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but I, I just, I couldn't spend the time just listening, you know, as far as any hints about future action here in Minnesota. So, um, yeah, I, I think everyone's kind of going to wait and see what's going on in Georgia and South Carolina over the next few days, what, what happens with the numbers, and then uh, it'll go from yeah. there. But I, I got to get cranking here, fellas. I, one thing. Uh, last week, that you guys said that uh, I needed to go to on a trip to Canada with you guys. Yeah. Um, my wife listened to the show and she printed off at, uh, the application for a passport. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. There we go. We might have to make a trip collectively up to up to Thunder Bay up there for their uh, for one of their shows because they got a pretty good museum up there that you guys would enjoy too. I've never been to, but I got friends that have been there, so. That, we might have to plan that trip. So I'd love to go that's that great show, guys. Pukta, we'll let you uh, wrap things up here, buddy. Yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks, race fans, as always, for catching us. We're here every week. Come back, tune into the One to Go show, and get out there and be your dream. We'll see you next time.